Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, as you listen today, it's a New Year's Day. It is New Year's Day, and uh, I know I'm recording this in advance, so I'm going to tell you that right now. And I'm going to tell you something. I had I don't have New Year's plans yet, but honestly, I think me and the lovely Joanne are just going to stay in. Last year, we went to Philadelphia. We had a great dinner. We were home by 9 because all the idiots come out in New Year's. And living in Burbank next to Glendale, it's like 80 times the idiots. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit there. We'll go out for an early dinner. We'll get a nice bottle of wine, and we'll just hang out. And my guest uh, today, he'll be on New Year's Eve. He'll be in Michigan, but we're going to get to that yeah. because, you know, we have uh, Dennis Hoskins. How are you doing, Dennis? I'm doing good. I, play, can you play those drums again? Those are cool, like man. That's, I that's, love those like, drums. No, because this is, this is uh, some that, guy. That intro is really chill, man. Well, it's, uh, it's an indie station, and uh, when I had to get my stuff here, we'll get this. Boom. It's a Taco Drums by Mike Meyer. I love this. I always, I needed a song. And no one, no one had a song. And I was like, my friends, this is like, see that? And he's, what a way to pray, you know, put that on your, see that you can put that whenever you're in the bathroom. I love that. I'll put you in a good mood. Those drums, right? Whenever I wake up, I'm up tight. I can boom. Come on. I'll get him with a girlfriend, argue with my girlfriend. It's boom. Same thing. So happy New Year's Day to everybody. We made it another year. I know. Uh, I know. So, are you, do you live in Burbank? Uh, no. Okay, but I live in the area. Okay, but you're, you, you, you like you're. I'm you're, real careful about you're, what I. You're a karaoke guy, though. Well, I, I do. Uh, yeah, I sing. I, I go to uh, Dimples Karaoke Bar in Burbank. It's like my Cheers. It's where I hang out, and a lot of people come in there actually looking for me because they know that's where I hang out. But I mean, I, it's, it's like Norm only with water. I walk right. in the front door, and Kim throws me a bottle of water, and I have a stool that I can go sit at and hang out with the owner, Sal, and. I saw them in Bar Rescue. They had a, they had a Bar Rescue yeah. like that. Now, had, now has it, have they changed it? I heard he was slowly bringing the stuff back. He brought stuff back. He, he But he listen, they improved the place, and, and it helped. Right. I, I, I am – I'll just tell the truth. I'm not a fan of Bar Rescue because it's a mean-spirited show most of the time. Okay. I got to say, they were very kind to Sal Ferraro and Dimples, and – uh, the other ones I've seen, they're not friendly. They're really tough. And, and it's just, listen, uh, reality TV is train wreck TV, right? You, you're not going to watch something if it puts you to sleep. So the guy does a good job that, you know, the, for what he's supposed to do. He does what he's supposed to do. But it's just not my kind of thing. But they came in, and they, they, they were very, very kind to Dimples. It has history. It's the first karaoke bar ever in the United States. Right. 1982, Sal brought karaoke to America. It's unbelievable. And, and then, uh, you know, all the people that have been through there. So they wanted to kind of preserve the integrity of it, but also improve it. And they did improve it. They added new booths, new carpet, new sound system, new cash register system. They made the stage better. They put new lights in. They they fixed the roof that was leaking. I mean, it was falling apart over there. So What do you sing? Well, what, what, what's your, what's your, oh. what's your, I mean, do you have a certain, like, like for me, if yeah. I, okay, if I karaoke, what's your what go-to song? Well, because I can't sing, so I do anything Lou Reed or yeah. anything I can talk or Tom Petty, anything that can sort of be monotone. Mm. Free falling, I can do until it gets to the high points. Then I have someone else that's. You should do out. some Leon Redbones. There, there you go. Or some Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Now, who, who, who's, your, who's your go-to? I uh, well, listen. I uh, I'll start with this. I, I I went in there and a guy named Steve Easton was there hanging out. and He'd get up and sing. So I thought I'll get up and sing. You know, if I'm I I've done some some musicals, so it'll help me stay in shape. And then over the years, you get to have songs that you like. And I and one of the songs I like the most is "What a Wonderful World." beautiful song says a lot of things about a lot of people i i, I um, do billy joel you know uh, what's your, what's your you billy may, joel you, you may be right are you are you a big billy joel fan uh i am 
Hey, here's my Billy Joel story. Okay. I'm a college booking agent back in 1971 for the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. They send me to conventions to go look for talent. I go to my first college convention in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's uh, um, uh, Tony Orlando and Don and Earth, Wind, and Fire and, and Parliament Funkadelic showcasing on the main stage. So then there's a smaller showcase in this little dining room, or not dining room, a banquet room. And there's a stage set up on the side, and this guy's got on a white tuxedo and tails and long hair is doing Tom Jones impressions. And then he did a song called Piano Man. Wow. It was Billy Joel starting out, you know. So cut to uh, my friend Jimmy Mattingly. I, I name drop because I'm right. very blessed. To, I don't mean to name drop, but that's how, what ties in the story. Jimmy Mattingly is Garth Brooks' fiddle player. Okay. And Jimmy's a, a buddy of mine. I knew him from when he was with the Forrester Sisters and then Reba and Dolly and then Garth. The A-Tour, he says. And he says, uh, I see him at NBC there because they, they came in by the do the Tonight Show. We're still doing Save by the Bell. He goes, Hey, there's this big show we're going to do in New York. You got to come. So I go, and it's the concert in Central Park. And the special guest was Billy Joel. There's the tie in. That's not crazy. I know. Listen, Steve, you look, you, I got on that stage at about three in the afternoon and looked out, and the people were like waves of grain. There were easily over 700,000 people there. Isn't that, you know, so Easily. It's, yeah, I've heard, because I, I had uh, Terry Nunn from Berlin on, and she said oh. they played the Us, whatever that, out well, here. Oh, yeah, that said, was big, too. You look out, and you, you think, how are the people in the back even hearing? They can't. They had, in Central Park, they had Diamond Vision at the edge of where the crowd was that could see the stage for people who could not see the stage. People were there looking at Diamond Vision just so they could say they were there. It's crazy. And Garth Brooks is one of the hardest working people. I, I said to him, he was doing like 24 hours a day for the last two days. He exec produced the whole thing. He's doing radio. He's doing TV. He's coming and rehearsing. I said, Garth, when do you rest? He goes, Dennis, I figure I can rest when I die. Exactly. <laughs> but he didn't tell me he might die a few years sooner. <laughs> so you know, you're, you're, you're from Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, when you were a kid, did you want to get into acting? Were you always drawn to acting? Or what, what I you was. remember as a kid? Were you a funny kid? or No. Were you no, I was shy. Okay, so now what, 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 when did you start acting? I, uh, I, I, I did a pageant in the first grade. I, I was, you know, sports was a thing. You know, that's what everybody was supposed to do. I was in Catholic school, and all the guys play sports, so... In the sixth grade, the head of the theater department at the University of Chattanooga came down to my class and asked for two people, and I didn't know. She knew my dad, I guess, and and, and also this guy, Robert Chandelick, for a college production of Pinocchio. I was going to play Candlewick. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I was <laughs> Pinocchio's psychic, and the rest of the cast were college students. So I did it for three weeks, and I was hooked. I just fell in love with the theater and going to the university and being around all the college kids and and uh, going on stage, and I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was special. And it kind of went away, but I never let go of it. Because my grandmother kept telling me, you're going to Hollywood, and you know, all this stuff. Um, eventually I did, but it was not a simple journey. But that's the first thing that I got hooked on. High school, I joined the drama club, drama club not department, because there wasn't an apartment. But I never did a play because I was always doing basketball during the season, so... That was my goal. I went. I tried to walk on University of Tennessee Knoxville. I made it one night on the freshman team. They cut the teams down to like twelve guys, six scholarships, six non. The next day they cut two guys. I was one of them cut, and I just said I don't want that to be it. Went to Chattanooga, got on the team there. The coach put me in theater courses. The rest is history. Wow, and the Chattanooga University of Chattanooga Tennessee. Didn't uh, T.O. go there? Uh, yeah, the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah. And T.O. and my friend David Pryor played basketball. There. Really? Guy, what guy, year? Just, what year? He, let's see. I'm 50. I just turned 50. David is probably 44, 
and he, uh, I think he played basketball for there. He went you, to, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I, I'm still a big supporter. I just tweeted something for the ladies. I'm all over it because because yeah, he said he said it's so funny because he played he played intramurals against To. And he said Tio was just a beast. Tio could just like he's he amazing. said Tio could just like basically just oh, he's jump and slam like he would he could just, like hit his head yeah. on the rim. That's how much of an amazing. Terrell Terrell's honestly one of the nicest guys I ever met. I mean, I know he's got the reputation and and he did some silly things in the pros for attention, but he loves Chattanooga and and he's not from Chattanooga, but he loves the school. I saw him. He came out. He and I were at the the UCLA game where Chattanooga got destroyed, but he was there. His his friend Johnny Taylor is now an assistant coach for Chattanooga, and they they were in school together. So he came out and supported him. You know, See, that's I mean, cool. That's good. He's he liked, he liked that. Yeah, come on. He's, I'm supporting my alumni. This is Richard Stockton, baby. Stockton College in New Jersey. I'm no, telling you. I'm telling you. See, Not I'm, Stockton, California, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, no, no. There's a big difference. Stockton, Stockton State. So now, so you 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 go to college and you're playing ball. Right. And, One year of ball. Okay. And then are you you. And when do you graduate? No, I I, I changed my major to, okay. to being a theater major. Uh, the problem for me was I had to get a foreign language to graduate. And I and the department changed heads a couple of times, and the last guy wasn't interested in me being around. So I just kind of filtered away from it. He basically, I tried out for a play. Listen, this is a really true story. The guy's name is David Wiley, in case you're wondering. <laughs> exactly, nice name. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a senior, a six-year senior, whatever, and the, we had auditions for the, the senior play, and I didn't get a part. And I went up to him. I said, what's going on? He goes, you've had your turn. Went, what? He says, you know, uh, there are other people in here that deserve a chance now. And I, went, I never met the guy. I didn't know him. He, he basically ran me off. And that's okay. It all worked out. You so, so you left? You left school I, I left. I left. Well, I, yeah, I left school at that point. I was... I had a foreign language to go, and I thought, well, I'm not going to get this. I'll just, I was involved. I'd been an entertainment chairman of the school, so I pursued the music business. I promoted concerts, made lost a lot of money, then then went and did an outdoor drama in Louisiana and got my equity card. It's just cra- You know, life's a series of connect the dots. You know this. Yes. But you look back and you go, oh, that's my journey, because you look back and you connect all the dots. But at the time, you're just making choices and trying to go from one choice to the next. So, I mean, I ended up being broke from the music business in the early 70s. Did a Leon Russell concert with a lot of shenanigans that happened behind the scenes. And uh, I had a lady uh, who was doing a theater school basically give me a place to live and let me have classes for free. Nancy Lane Wright in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Then uh, she encouraged me to go audition for this group of summer stock. I got a big part in a big production. What was the play? Do you remember? It was, uh, it was Louisiana Cavalier. And it lasted two seasons. Um, the, David Graff from uh, Police Academy. Remember David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tackleberry. Yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago. But I played Governor Anya the first year, and he played it the second year. Okay. I mean, you know, it was – then it went away. But the first year, the guy they wanted to play the lead – it's funny how this things work. The guy who was going to play the lead was equity, and he would not come unless they'd made the production equity. So the producer of the show – I'm staying at his house, and he says to me, Listen, I can either give you your equity card and another guy's equity card and bring in this guy, or I can have you play the lead and I'll play your part. I said, what would you do? And he goes, I'd take my equity card. And it's just made all the difference in the world. When I had equity, I could buy Screen Actors Guild. Because I had my Screen Actors Guild, later I was on the road with Greg Allman, and I walked in to see my agent with a scruffy beard. 
run to this audition. I got the very first Dukes of Hazard. Okay, now, that gave me the courage to go to California. Now, what were you doing on the road with Greg Allman? That's I, that's that's what I want to hear. You're on the road. I mean, were you traveling with him? Or yeah, you just I was road managing a tour. Okay. Uh, we we uh, a friend of mine, Greg, hadn't been playing. The Allman Brothers were broken up. He was in the Keys playing with Dixie Dregs. He sat in every once in a while, and uh, he, he ran into a band in Daytona Beach called Mama's Pride out of St. Louis. He liked playing with them. He said to a friend of mine who owned a suntan oil company, David Bur- uh, Paul Burke. David Burke was friend was. Uh, was his brother from the Standells? Remember the Standells? Don't remember them. Dirty Water. Oh yeah, Dirty Water. Yeah, yeah. I remember they used. To, they, it's funny they redid it because they changed it like in Philadelphia. Every city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. said on the the Schuylkill River. Love the Exa- Schuylkill exactly. River. Philadelphia, so, you're my home. So yeah. uh, Paul calls me and he says, "Hey, I'm doing shows with, with uh, Greg Allman." I said, "Yeah, right, Paul." So he said, "No, come come down such and such." So he's in Chattanooga. And I went down, and sure enough, there's Greg. And he said, look, I, they've only done two. He said, I don't really know what I'm doing. I need your help. So we went on the road and had 20-something dates. And in the middle of it, Dickie starts calling and Butch starts calling. And the next thing you know, they're together again. And they've been together, together ever since. That's insane. Music history, man. That's so cool, that though. Cool? That's just, I mean, it's just like you think. Because yeah. there's so many bands that they, they, they separate. And I think years later, they want to get back together. Yeah. But then they all have the... The egos are their hurt, and then well, finally, when they do get together, it's just amazing because they're so happy to be yeah. together. Well, you know, th- I mean, holy cow, they make great music, and they're one of the, the uh, iconic bands of, of all time, the Almond Brothers. So, I mean, they've had many different members come and go. Sadly, Danny Toller passed away recently, you know, from the Toller Brothers they were playing, and, and uh, from Government Mule, um, the, the lead guy with Government Mule is now the big I, main member of, that's okay, the big member of uh, the Almond Brothers. and. So it's just, you know, I, I've been really blessed to come in and out of a lot of scenes. But when I finally, at the end of our tour when the Ombros reunited, we weren't involved. The, that went back to Phil okay. Walden and all those guys. But no, you during that time, you were all scruffy and you... Yeah. You went for an audition with Dukes of Hazzard. Well, they- no, I had lost. I had, had a mustache, but I'd lost my razor. So my beard started coming in. I had about six days' growth on the side, and I went in to see my agent in Atlanta, and there was an audition for a badass on, on the first Dukes, and I went out and I got it. That was your first that TV role. That was my role. first TV role because I got my equity card in Atlanta. I could, so you could go I in. I could buy into Screen Actors Guild and then audition for the show. A year later, I went to L.A., man. I, well, yeah, I, I was going to say, because I'm looking at your uh, resume, and there's a... Uh, Greatest American Hero. Are there some great? Yeah. There's some great shows. Yeah. Simon and Simon. Believe it or not, I'm walking so, on air. Were you? Had you been to L.A. before you moved out here? No, so first you, time. So, did, where did, did you sit there and go? Okay, did you? Did you? What was research the move, or you just said the hell with them going out? Uh, I thought about it for years and years and years. I told everybody I was going. And I put myself in a corner where I had to either go or shut, shut up or put up or shut up. And I came up with a little saying also that I didn't want to be forty and wonder why I hadn't tried it acting by thirty. So at 29 and a half, I went out there. This band I was managing broke up uh, or changed members to a point where they weren't the same. And I just said, I'm not going to work for anybody else anymore. I work for myself, and now's my time. A buddy of mine gave me a place. Ron Simpson let me stay on his floor for a couple of months. He was, I had a sleeping bag and went out there and went after it, man. It, you know. it must have been great, though, coming out with the side card. I mean, you know, that's yeah. a big difference, and you know, because then it's like you can audition for everything. It's not like well, you know, oh, actually, you can audition for all the working shows, yes. Right. But if you're new and don't have any experience, you can't do all the stuff that's going to pay you something, right? So, but I just, I always shot high, Steve. You know, I always thought I want my goals to be, I, I, I want to be in the deep end of the pool. I want to really have gone for this and tried it. I don't want to be the big fish in the little pond. I mean, if I was going to be any fish at all. You know, so I thought, let's just go for this, you know, and, and little by little it worked on the Dukes. I did another Dukes, and then, you know, little by little parts started coming in. 
Well, I noticed that they, it's changed now, but in the Dukes, it says Elmo, Customer, and Moss. Back then, I know shows, you could play different characters. I've had a lot of people have been on, it's like, oh, it was an NYPD Blue, it was this guy, then I came back. I was four different characters on Dukes. You're, that would never happen today. Right, exactly. No, I noticed, because I, I had a lot of guys who come yeah. out, and one guy was on Ken Lerner, who was uh, one of the Malachis on uh, Happy yeah. Days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he played like four different characters on Happy Days. They That's, said, oh, yeah. no, no one remembers, because yeah. no one, it wasn't like no, now, wasn't we, like we didn't that. see reruns, we saw the show once. Plus the social media wasn't out there and people right. weren't putting themselves out I mean it's a whole different world you're right it's crazy now you start you're getting I mean you're in I mean look at this chips not slanting I mean yeah. are you are you I was the cop that found CG dead on the beach thank <laughs> you thank you very much <laughs> I actually put these things together I tell people don't blink because you'll miss me and I had a friend in New York who knew one of the writers on the Letterman show and, and, and I put this thing together I said listen they can have the king of the don't blinks complete with as many one and two line parts and show right. people what they missed when they blinked she was a, did these these uh telegrams singing telegrams this guy told her how to sneak into letterman's office she snuck into his office did a singing telegram to get me on the show i got on the show and then what do you what happens i can't promote other shows because i'm not a lead so they killed it well then the next year i did three pilots and three pilots only three small parts all three went to series they took me on. They put me on, and we did it. I mean, just I've had some amazing, amazing well, it's just, breaks. It's, I mean, it's the people you've worked with. I mean, you know, I mean, just even for small parts, Magnum PI. I mean, oh, yeah, Tom it's, it's, like, it's like a who's who, and I guess Carol O'Connor, no, Archie Bunker's oh, yeah. place. Now, 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 in Magnum, they they shoot in Hawaii, right? Yeah. So they flew you out there. Yeah, it was my first my first job. I mean, I had just done a thing in the Pasadena Playhouse with with. Um, um, oh, I'll think of it in a second. John Aston from I'm Dickens, he's Finster from, you know, right. all these different things. And uh, Gomez big, Adams. Yeah, and I was a, a, such a fan of his. He's so nice to me. Then I got the the Magnum came through, and we go over there. I'm, I'm I had three days work. Now they were doing they were a ten day shoot. I worked the first day, and I worked the second day, and I waited and I waited and I waited and I <laughs> I worked the last day. I was what they call the rain set. So if it had rained, they would have used me. But I got five days, six days in Hawaii for on them. Right, that's what that's I awesome. mean. How nice was that? You so, know? so you're getting a lot of these character parts. I mean, yeah. there's small parts. You're jumping around. Right. Now, the pilots you were auditioning for the smaller parts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. One and two line parts. They, uh, you know, I, on soap operas they'd be called under fives. They're uh, on. In other in network television, they're called day player roles. Okay, so you're doing you're doing those roles, and you're working there. You got to be yeah, happy because you're working actor, and, and you're not working on crappy shows. You're working no. on very good shows, and you're meeting people. Yeah. And now, now I know with the Mister Belding character, we came right. on a show called Good Morning Miss Bliss. Now was I don't re- I'm surprised I don't remember that show. Was that well, a uh, sitcom? Was it a day sitcom, or how did how did that whole character? Well, well, let's back up to the to before that. I I had gotten this feeling that I should do a musical. I hadn't done one in a long okay. time. Okay. Wasn't working. I was trying to create opportunities. But You've always liked singing. Oh, yeah. I've always liked singing. <clears throat> so I, I had done musicals. I'd done little dinner theaters and stuff like that. And um, long story short, I get the role in the show that becomes a big hit in town at 99-seat theater, and people start coming to see what it. Was it, coming to, it was called Angry Housewives. Started started in uh, in Washington State, the Seattle, I think. Then it went to New York. They added my character, came to L.A., and then I got the job, got the part. We didn't pay anything. We were doing six shows a week for free. But it was sold out every night. People were coming to see it. The girl playing my wife, Joan Ryan, came up to me one day and said, Hey, Dennis, there's this show I auditioned for. They're looking for a principal. They were looking for a guy black and around 50. That's what the character called for. But they weren't finding somebody they liked. So they opened it up. And Joan Ryan told me. So I called somebody who was representing me, and I said, Hey, there's this part. 
And she said, Dennis, you're not black and you're not 50. I said, I know they've changed it. So I got an audition. And I go into audition, and there's these two guys there with plaid jackets and bow ties and horn rim glasses, their version of a funny principal. I came in with a coat and tie, like a principal who might be funny. They went in. I said, you know, if you're looking for, hey, waka waka, woo, that's not me. And the, Peter Ingalls said, we're off to a good start. And it went well from there. Five auditions later, fought, whittling it down, whittling it down, whittling it down, went to the network. And, and it got down to me and another guy. And I knew for the part. And I knew I didn't get it. I went out to the payphone and I called this same person who said, "You're not black and you're not 50." I said, "You got to get me back into the network. You got to get." Well, she said, "Well, you got to. You know, sometimes you just got to move on." I hung up on her. I called the executive producer, Peter Engel, and I said, "Effendi." His nickname was Effendi, like in the Middle East, you know. Effendi, right. how'd I do? He goes, "You did great. We're going to bring you back." He got on the phone first right. of all. And then he told me later, that's when he decided to bring me back. And two auditions later, I got the job. So it took seven auditions. Seven. So in the beginning, you just went in and read a little part. Yeah. And then, and so I, I'm just wondering, and I guess if it was for, they, they changed it, but I'm sure some of the dialogue was still for a black, wacky principal. No, no, they had, they had, they had changed it. They okay. had, re, they had refined, re, redirected the character and decided they wanted to make it, a, you know, somebody who would be compatible with Haley Mills, who was Miss Bliss, who I just talked to. Okay. I just talked to her a couple of days ago. Now, Good Morning, Miss Bliss, you played a principal. So I played Mr. Show. Belding. And that round for two years? No, no, we did uh, 13 episodes. We're on the st- we were supposed to do 13 here in Los Angeles. It was a combination of Disney and NBC, and then go to Orlando and be part of the Disney tour, and everybody come on and watch a TV show we shot. Haley Mills was the biggest star Disney had for a long, long time. Parent Trap, right? Oh, yeah, Parent Trap plus Slammy Robinson. Haley Mills and Annette Funicello were the two women who were, you know, were it for them. So they were behind her, and for some reason, Disney didn't like it. And they decided to pull out. So about the 11th episode out of 13, we got all these knocks on the door. Everybody on the stage, everybody, that sounded good. Everybody on the stage, and we go to the stage, and Peter Engel says, ladies and gentlemen, Disney has chosen not to go on with the project. There's a slight chance NBC will do something, but I just want to thank everybody. And I kept thinking this doesn't make sense. Next day, the prop guy says to me, hey, Dennis, they told us to save the sets. And I'm like, okay, what's that? You know, I, I've never been on a show before. He goes, they wouldn't spend the money to store stuff if they weren't going to do something. A week later, the wardrobe guy comes up to me and said, hey, Dennis, they just told me to save your suits. And he gave me a big thumbs up. So and you I, must be sitting there going, wait a second, something's going on. But, I, but you, I, out here, you never know what's going to happen. I, I, it was a lot of talk. I mean, even Joni, Joan Ryan and I were talking. You know something? You know, I don't. I don't. But then I did know something because of the sets, and I knew. But I didn't have anything official. And then they bought the rights. Peter uh, Engel and Brandon Tartikoff got together. And Brandon said, you know what? I want to show my daughter can watch on Saturday morning. That's not the Roadrunner dropping an anvil on the coyote, you know, or violence. We there, was, there wasn't live action then on no. Saturday. No, live and action remember, sitcom. Like live action was like with like the banana splits. We used to, that yeah. was live action. Yeah. Like Chaka, Fantasy, Chaka Island. But it, Captain Kangaroo. Right. I mean, Pee Wee Herman, you know, it wasn't any, any of that stuff. Any any regular sitcom aimed at kids, right? So they decided let's focus on Mark Paul Gosselaar. He's a, he's a Ricky Schroeder, Ricky. They thought because Silver Spoons was going on, and they were right. They focused on the kids and kept me as the the glue or the the what do you call it, the spoke in the wheel, and, and and I would come in and out and make sure everybody was you know it just it all worked. Now what's weird about that is that is probably one of the first times that 
I don't know. I, it's happened. Like, I mean, like, Frazier went from Cheers to Frazier. Right. But you went from this show, Miss Bliss, right. and, to, and to a show saved by... It's just the character jumped yeah. two different series that aren't, they besides, did aren't things, really connected. They did things that, that normally wouldn't make any sense. We went from Indiana on Miss Bliss, to, which then became part of the syndication package, to California with four of the same characters, but a different show in a different city in a high school... I mean, they just did it, and, and people accepted it, and, and they loved the show. Now, you do that the first year. Yeah. And now Oh, then it's bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. What? We, we were done. We only had 20 no, episodes. No, no, I meant Saved by the Bell. Yeah, okay, I know. So, so, wait, you no, got... I'm saying we didn't have a continuous deal. We didn't, okay. we didn't have an automatic pickup. We were canceled four times. Really? So you go, you go through, and it's 20 episodes, and it's yeah. probably, is it getting good ratings? Or? No, not yet. It okay. was building. It was building, but it wasn't. But once again, like you said, it's, yeah. a, it's a different thing. Yeah. People aren't used to a live action sitcom on a Saturday they morning. They got 36 episodes, Steve, and they sold them to TBS, and that was at the end of the second year. TBS started airing them in the afternoons every day out of Atlanta. And the kids saw it from every day in the afternoon. They came back to Saturday morning and ba-boom. Rest yeah, of no, 87 countries. No, so no, yeah, that's insane. I, I mean, know. when you think about it, I mean, it's just Saturday like, morning to 87. But see, countries. that's what that's, and I've talked about other guests about this. That's what's great about TV back then. They gave things a chance. Yes. Now it's like you give two episodes, and if, guess what? If it doesn't, if the ratings aren't well, forget up it. here mm-hmm. when there's so much more crap to watch yeah. now, they get canceled. It. So, so you're right. So every year, though, so for the tw- after 20 episodes, you're still in limbo. You're like, I'm on the show, but I don't know if it's going to get picked up. So that I, must be grating on your mind. Brandon Tartikoff, God rest his soul, believed in it. He, he would take episodes home and show them to Kawa, his daughter. She liked them, and he would find money to do more episodes. And the next thing you know, we've got a small syndication package, 36. Then we're headed towards 100. We got we had like 87 or something. Some of us had movies of the week deals, so we did this movie. and We needed 100. So we, we, we everybody's contract was up with... I think it was eighty, like ninety episodes altogether. However, it adds up, and they wanted uh, everybody to do ten more because they wanted a hundred episodes. So well, that includes Miss Bliss, that includes the movie, and and the other, and the Saved by the Bells. It's weird how it adds up. It's eighty six thirteen in the movie. So we were at seventy six. Does that make sense? Seventy six Saved by the Bells with the thirteen Miss Blisses, which they repackaged. As so you well. need ten more episodes. You so they, we need ten more. But guess what? Tiffany and Elizabeth didn't want to do them. Okay. Because. It was pilot season. They they knew the show was over for them. They wanted to go on and do other stuff. And, and if they skip pilot season, they got to wait another year. So we shot the finale, and then brought in Leanna Creel uh, uh, as Tori, and and they went away. But we showed the, the graduation last. So for a while, they weren't they weren't around the two characters. And and then they said, let's you know let's do a college show. Let's do a college version with these three boys and. They tried. They did the pilot without Tiffany and, and the whole Zach Kelly thing. They had to have it, so they brought Tiffany in and, and they they gave it a shot for a season, but it just wasn't the same. Meanwhile, I stayed with Saturday Morning. We did six more years. You know how how did your life change? Because there's so many. First of all, you you go from you know you're working in these small characters and you get into one right. line, and now you're on this show, and of course kids probably think, oh, he's the principal. You know, like you know how kids think about principals, but now but and I've heard always. People who've been on shows with a lot of kids, it's very weird because you get noticed by like kids wherever you go. I mean, I mean, was it? Did you? Were you weren't used to ours being recognized? Was, ours was later. not instantaneous. Ours okay. was slow and gradual because remember we didn't have a, a long long deal. Right. We were on Saturday morning, 
Atlanta TBS hadn't happened yet. Eventually, it did explode, and then everybody was known. But people got to know us gradually, and I think that helped us get stronger because they really embraced us. That Mr. Belding was a he was he was a goofy principal, but he still did what was best for the kids. Our, our rule was: whatever you do to Mr. Belding on Wednesday, you still got to be the principal on Thursday. Right, and that was really smart because if you make him too ridiculous, then nobody's going to believe it. And it paid off because Mr. Belding always watched out for the kids. And I can tell you from 20 years of going on appearances and things, people liked the fact that Mr. Belding watched out. They said, well, you helped raise me. You, you know, I learned things from your show. There was a moral in every episode because it was a, a FCC mandate that the show had, was going to cover part was of that because it was Saturday morning children and family it, programming. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, it was it's unbelievable. And then look at where everybody went. Holy cow! Well, it's just it's so funny because you're right. It's you were on every, everyone you talk to, anyone who's fifty, and I'm fifty. Who's twenty one to forty something knows who Mr. Belding is. Are crazy about the show. I mean, and it's and it's and it's stayed around forever. Yeah, which yeah. is one of the things still around. People don't, I mean, it's like now it's on it's, E now. It's on E every it's, morning. It's on E. Twenty five years later. What are some of the weirdest things that happened to you in your fame during that? Because I know some people accept it. Like Fritz Coleman told me this story where some I guy, love Fritz. some guy yelled at him because he said it might rain, so oh. the guy had to get a tent for the wedding and it didn't rain. And he's like, anything weird come back? Or do you? I mean, well, I, I was at, I mean, nothing really bad. I mean, I, I'm at, fun. Like any fun. I, I know. I'm at Disneyland, and they're getting ready to do the whole water park show where they sprayed the, the the water and the lights and all. Everybody's waiting, and this lady's yelling, "Mr. Belding, Mr. Bell, he doesn't mind." He doesn't. And, and my my ex wife minded, so she wasn't real happy about it. it was a little, sometimes it would get a little uncomfortable, but not for me. I mean, listen, I'm living it. So, I, but people around you have to adjust to what's going on. Um, you know, I I don't know. You know, I've gotten to go. I was in. Here's something fun. I was in the White House. Well, okay. The, in the Clinton administration, we were taken along with two of the Lawrence kids, not Joey, but the other kids from their show, some other people from the network. We were, we were lobbying children and family programming. We got a private tour of the White House from the Clinton administration. He was in the White House when we got there, so we went through. Warren Littlefield is leading the charge. He's with us. And then they said. The president has left the house. It was Hillary's birthday, so he had gone upstairs for her birthday. So they said, we're going to take you by the Oval Office. Now, I'm so turned around, I don't know where I am, but we go down this little hallway, and a door opens in the left side of the wall, and there's a theater rope. You know those crushed velvet ropes? Yeah. And, and inside, son of a gun, there's the Oval Office. And the lady, remember the African-American lady that was his right hand that ran the office for him? Yeah. She, the, we heard about her because all these different congressional things. She took down that rope and said, come on in. We go in the Oval Office. Now, Dustin Dimes with a screech. He has buddied up with one of the Secret Service guards. The guy loved the show, and he's been palling around. All right. I look up. There's no screech in the Oval Office. He has disappeared. I'm not kidding you. He's gone. Everybody else is in the Oval Office. All of a sudden, he comes back, and I went, Dust. I call him Dust. (laughs) Where'd you go? He goes, Dan. I told the guy I had to use the bathroom, and he took me in the president's personal bathroom. Wow. That's the way Dustin thought. And in there were books by Thomas Jefferson, and I mean, that they'd written themselves. I mean, can you imagine? And, oh, man. That's just cool. And, and, and probably there's other people. There's probably celebrities, uh, stars, you know, athletes who kids probably loved yeah. your show. Did you ever get to meet any, like, anyone say, oh, man, our kid loved your show, and it's someone you go, everybody. I love your work. Like, you're like, wait, I love, I mean. One of my, one of my dear friends is Charles Barkley. Okay, now and how we, did you meet Charles? I met Charles 
Charles, uh, the head, head coach at basketball at Chattanooga was a guy named Mac McCarthy. He was Charles' assistant coach at Auburn. I met I met Charles at a, an NBA event. I got to do a lot of events back then. Charles turned around and he goes, "Principal," and I went, "Charles," and I said, "Hey, Mac McCarthy's a friend," and so we had a little quick connection. Two weeks later, he's doing the Tonight Show. I went over to say hi. And we exchanged numbers, and we've been friends ever since. See, that's cool. I remember when he was in. I remember he was in Philly because I used to go. He used yeah. to be out dancing. Like he still lives in Philly. Does he? Because I know there was this it was every one, summer. There was this bar called Michael Jackson. I remember we'd see him out dancing on the dance floor. We're like, that's yeah, Charles Barkley. He was. He was just one of the guys. Like he would go out and just. Well, hang I got out. to go hang out with Charles in Vegas a few times, and and by the way, also hanging out mm-hmm. were uh, Michael and and Tiger. You know, I mean, it was. Uh, none of the stuff that everybody's heard, none of that. Honest to goodness, I, I didn't know anything about all that stuff. I, I'm not just saying I really didn't. But it was, I'm like pinching myself, you know. Because you're a big sports fan, so it must be very. Oh, I'm a huge. Uh, Tiger was a Saved by the Bell fan. I mean, Tiger knew stuff about the show, but he's also a very smart guy. He went to Stanford. Come right, on. Yeah, I know. It's... So, so, you know, he, I mean, we were kidding around and stuff. But Michael, I had played in my. In Michael's golf tournament in North Carolina, yeah, you're a good golfer. so he no, I'm a horrible golfer, <laughs> but he I really am. But he he knew I was okay. You know what I mean? There's there's sometimes when you feel safe, and there's sometimes when you don't. And and he he was at least comfortable around me because he knew I was Charles' friend, and he knew I'd been around. You know, I, I it's just what an amazing journey. You know, I, I'm in I'm in Romania after the show went off the air, doing a movie, and I'm walking down the street, and this guy I'm in Bucharest, Romania. And this guy looks at me, and he, it was about 10, 15 years ago. The guy goes, teacher, principal. You know why, Steve? The first American TV show that went on the air after Ceausescu was assassinated was Save by the Bell. Save by the Bell. It's crazy. I mean, you think. How American many, high school was safe. How many, how many uh, countries is it in? 80, it went to 87, at least. I think it was eighty. Yeah, it was over eighty-seven. Now you know. You know. How I mean, do they, come on. How do they dub your voice? Have you ever seen? I don't know. Have you ever seen some I've of those episodes a, where you go, "What the hell"? I've seen one or two. Yeah. So you're a big sports fan. I love sports. Okay. What? What's, what's your, sport. are you, are you a big Basket- college basketball? Ba- well, yeah, basketball's the game that I I I made it to one year of college ball. You know, I mean, that's what it was. Either play basketball or act. That's those are my dreams. So I made it as far as I could in basketball, and so far I'm still. Chasing the still dream, acting. and I, I'm still acting. Yeah, I just did a movie with Seth MacFarlane and Charlie's Theron. Oh, come on! See, that's it's all good stuff. Well, now, so after Say by the Bell, yeah. you know, now did you feel you might be typecast a little bit? Because I was typecast. Because everybody knows you, and everyone. I mean, as I said, everyone knows you. How how was yeah. it after Say? And but one thing is, you got a hell of a good long ride. I mean, how, but here's the, the shows, but here's the thing: we were on Saturday morning, so talking sports terms to the audience, we were major leagues, but the pay was Triple A. Okay. You know, so we didn't make enough money to sustain the downtime that, like Friends or like, you know, Miami Vice or any of those guys did in the last couple of years. We didn't get that kind of money. I mean, it, it was the money we got was decent and better than a lot of people make. I'm still very grateful for what I had. But, I, I mean, having I'll be Mr. Belling for the rest of my life, and that's just fine with me. But now I'm getting chances to do other roles and other things. I didn't get it for a long, long time, and that must be uh, frustrating because the funny. And I think what happens a lot is, I mean, you're you're a guy who's done stage. You've done. I got another. I got another one for you. My agency, who who I stayed with for the last five years, dropped me. Why? Just because six months after the show was over, because one of the agents didn't like me. See, that's just so funny because, and I think it happens a lot. It's like, and if you look, I mean, so then what? Whoa, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, you're someone who's been on the show, yeah. and, but and you, but the thing is, you look at the shows. I mean, the practice, the you know, 
West oh, Wing, yeah. all these things. And so you were you're an actor. I mean, you're more than Mr. Bell. Well, the West Wing was an amazing. But what thing. was that? well, it must have been because you. I mean, what was? How did that role come up? I I had grown a mustache back then. I've got one right now, but I'll probably shave it a little bit. I was just kidding around right now. But back then, I'd grown it thinking maybe I'll change the way I look. And I walk in, and I had a shot at this one-day role. But it's a guest star, but it's a one-day guest star. And it's the Westwood. It's the Westwood. Yeah. And, and Tommy Schlamy, Thomas Schlamy, or right. Tommy Schlamy, is casting it. He's in the room. And I get the job. So we go on the set, and it turns out that Tom, one of Tommy Schlamy's initial jobs, or one of the things he did, was a documentary on the band Alabama. I know all those guys in Alabama. Okay. So I got a connection right away with him. Just I'm real comfortable. You know, so he gave me angles. He gave me shots. He gave me things. I'm watching, Steve, every what's your what's your dream team radio room? Imagine everybody in the room from from sound mixers to whatever you got. This was the dream team there for the for the West Wing. It was every great sound editor, every great lighting designer, every great prop guy, every great whatever prop set you know everything and and also uh john spencer was acting was was the, was the role yeah and and it was a very important thing it was going to be their emmy episode so i'm there we were there 12 hours they were they added an extra day to that particular shoot it's an hour show is usually like seven days a week this was an eight day shoot because they were going for an emmy you know and he got one for that role and i'm like how lucky am i and i'm in there one day and then you're gone and then it's on to the next, you know? I mean, I did uh, Mad Men a uh, year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I watch that show. And uh, now that's that's also, I mean, it's a great show. Yeah. I mean, and it's uh, now. Secret, secret, secret. The show Matt is. Wa- Listen, Matt Weiner knows what he wants. He knows how to get it. He knows what he, he just knows. And it's like, you. it's his world. It's his house, his basketball, his everything. And he's a really, I mean, he's an amazing guy. But it's his game. So you go in and you understand your job is to take care of his home. That's your job. And everybody else that's already there knows the house. So you got to get to know the house really quick. And and I'm I'm blessed to have been part of that for a day there too, but it ended up being a role uh I can say it now it's been several years, but the role the guy created Cool Whip. So it was a really big thing back story-wise. And also in the episode they had a Beatles song. I mean it was it was really a, a cool episode. I mean I, and then I just got to work. Come on, I worked. I worked for a week with Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron. I was in their scene, and from and when they left me in the scene, they went over to Neil Patrick Harris and, and Amanda Seyfried. Pinch me. Yeah, I, it doesn't you know? say. It's so funny because it's you know you've you've broken the character from Mr. Bell, yeah. and I think maybe it's because you've gotten older. Maybe it's people. People have, still think people of me that way. No, yeah, but it's like. But the thing is, it's it's got to be a tap on your a pat on your back because you're not you're getting. Putting these good projects, it's not like you're getting stuck in something. You know, you're you're in well, Mad Men, you're well, in the well, West Wing. Well, here's I mean. the here's the difference. Tommy Schlamy's not worried about whether if he thinks you can act, he's going to hire you. Uh, Seth MacFarlane, if he thinks you're doing the best for the role, he's going to hire you. He's not afraid. You know, I did I did How I Met Your Mother. They 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 knew that I could I was going to do the job properly. They weren't worried about at the upper levels. They don't worry about that kind of thing. They just go. Everybody just comes and goes to work. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, you also did It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Now, I had a guy on here, uh, Richie Keene, who actually last season. I did the first okay. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay, because I, 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 he, he actually, this guy just directed uh, the six episodes of last season. Okay. But he said it's just a, such a fun set. 
It was amazing. I, I listen. I had I had gone home to Tennessee. I was going home for a few days, and I get a call at nine p.m. from my agent. You've got an audition tomorrow for the guest lead in a series, and, and I, that means usually thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars. You know, I mean that's you, you got to come back for that. So I got on a plane with Air Miles, and I came back, and I had to get a help to get a ride to the audition. I get the I read the audition, and it's this guy who may have molested one of the guys. And I'm thinking, this you're laughing. No, you're, I, I no remember, wait, no, wait, wait. I'm, I'm auditioning, and the casting director is having to hold his mouth. He's laughing so hard. And I'm thinking, this is serious. What are you doing laughing? I get the job. I get on the set, and then I find out it's a tongue-in-cheek comedy. And they, and they said to me, listen, whatever you want to do with the words, have fun. I said, no, 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 no. This is really well-written. Let's do what you've got. And it's I hear about Sunny in Philadelphia as much as any other show I've done, and I only made $795. Hey, but you know what? But I'm so glad I did it because it's about being an actor. It's about doing a role with guys that are creative, that found a way to make something happen that nobody told them they could. They had their own video camera for $500. They put together something. They got it to Mike Rotenberg, and then they made it better. But it's like nobody told them they couldn't do it. Right, right. What a great story. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's just the way they started out. Now, you're also the men in a certain age, men of a certain age. No. I love doing that now, show. It's so funny. Scott Bakula. Well, yeah. And what's funny about that show is I had uh, John Manfrotto on. Manfro was in that show, okay. and uh, he was Ray Romano's bookie. And he said it was so weird because Ray had just come off. Everyone loves Ray. Right, right, right. And Ray's like, we wrote this role for John. He's like, well, he has to audition. And they go, when? And he goes, okay. And he goes, when then finally it came through, they said, well, he has to wear a hat. And they go, why? He goes, he looks too much like Scott Bakula. And John's uh-huh. like, I look nothing like Scott Bakula's a great looking guy. I'm a skinny Italian. I look nothing. That's why he wore the hat. Well, that's so funny. how did that? Because that, that was such a good show that didn't, uh, no, didn't get this it is, got awards, yeah. but didn't get the recognition. It was really good. But here's a, here's a, here's a, funny you should ask about here's a, I, everything I got's got a story. I love it. I, I was keep, keep telling me. I was up uh, for the national tour of Wicked for the role of the wizard, and I got to New York. I'm in front of the whole company. I'm I'm dying. I, Megan Hilty made a call for me, who's a wonderful human being. She's uh, on on um, uh, the show now with the guy from. Oh my God! I can't ever think of this. Um, they they were on, the two gay guys on TV and the girl Megan Mullally was in it. Oh, uh, Will and Grace. Yeah, Will and Grace. So so the other Megan Mullally's friend now has a series on TV, and, and Meg and, and so Megan Hilty's in it. So okay. anyway, that's who Megan Hilty is. If you don't know, she was Galinda in Wicked, and and she was a fan of mine. Okay, and it was just unbelievable to me because she's like four and a half octave, five octave range. It's just unbelievable. So anyway, I'm getting real close, and I audition, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and and and. I did a really good job. There's throwing down to three of us, and I get a call from my agency. I got an audition for you. There's a role on the show called Minimum Certain Age. It's a, it's not a big part, but you know, I said, listen, you know, I, I'm waiting on this. And then he calls back and said, listen, there's another part they just came up with that they want you to read for. So I said, okay, I'm coming. So I, you know, I, I was holding on to Wicked. I didn't get Wicked. I found out at 1 a.m. I didn't get it. I already booked my flight back. I get back the next day. A little depressed. I was not real happy. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was. I was like, "Oh man, to get that close." The good news is, I got the part on Men of a Certain Age that was a two-episode arc. Wendy O'Brien, a wonderful casting director, got me on the show. I go in to do the job, and the first episode. There's two episodes. Only nine episodes, so I'm two out of nine. So, so I do the first episode, and director's kind of on me a little bit. And Scott Bakula goes up and says, "Leave him alone." 
<laughs> all the guy had to say to me was take it down, you know, and and I did that. And he was happy with it. And, but Scott, right away, standing up for me. So I came in two weeks later, and it's their last episode. And they don't know if they're getting picked up. They're hoping right, they're getting right, picked right. up. And Scott and I, I have this thing where I'm his boss, and he's working for me, and he's screwed up, and i got to get on him. We start in the – this is, to me, what acting is about and how much I love to act. Scott and I start doing work in the makeup trailer. We're running lines to make sure we got the lines. But then we're kind of feeling something going on, you know, and we're doing a little pre-talk. We're making up some stuff before. On the way over, we're kind of in it. We walk on the set, and nobody says a word to us. They can see we're cooking already, you know. And and there's great people on this set. Like you said, it's a high-quality show. Oh, yeah. So we get in there. We're doing a scene, and we did it. And, and they just the director didn't say anything to me. They got us in our places, and, and they could tell. And we were, we're talking. We're, we're in character all the, all the way. And, and, and they roll on it, and they get it. And then they roll. They get his coverage, and then they get my coverage. And I look at the, the DP, the director of photography, and, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, you think that's all I got? <laughs> he wants to shoot more angles because they like because they're loving it too. I mean that's why they're there, and we ended up doing it like I don't know six seven times. Little moves here, little moves there. I got to tell you, Steve, when we finished the scene, the crew applauded. I've never had that happen anywhere, and it's it's I'll never forget it, and I'll never forget Scott Bakula because he stood up for me right away on the set, made me more comfortable. And he's a star. He's had multiple series. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have, right. he could have said, I'll be in there in a minute. He could have done anything he wanted. He came to act. He came to play, and he made it good for me, and it made it good for the show. And, you know. Now, you said you're doing some movies. Yeah. Now, now do you, is it a difference coming from episodic to movies in the fact that there's – on TV, it seems like you have to work more. It's like it's a, it's like it's a, are they? Seem, I've heard they're longer days. I, it, the thing for me on Bell was I didn't have to work long days because, but I had to get it because we were up against the clock. So if I didn't, they they would say, "Well, make it up in Belding's office." The kids get two, three takes because they're going to screw up. You know, it, whether it's not so much original class, but new class for sure. They want me to get it in one take. Because they don't want to waste time with the adult, you know what I'm saying. So there's pressure there, but there are longer days. All longer days are more about preparation than anything else, I think. So there's a great story. We get time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We there's have, a, there's yeah. a great story about Michael Caine, who was who went to the set in the desert, hot, hot desert. So the desert. He's there at 6 a.m. and he goes in his trailer, and the air conditioner doesn't really work, and he's there. And he's all morning, he's waiting to work, waiting to work, and he's got an assistant there and waiting to work, waiting to work. And then uh, they said, that'll be lunch, Mr. Kane. He goes, thank you. Uh, comes back after lunch, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. It's hot, and it's dusty, and it's blowing. And the fa- they came up to him, like, after 12 hours. Been waiting, waiting, waiting. I said, thank you, Mr. Kane. See you tomorrow. And he goes, all right, thank you. And the, the assistant goes, what do you, Wait. You've been here since 6 a.m. It's hot. The thing isn't working. This blah, 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 blah. You went to lunch. And you, you, you didn't do anything. He goes, and you're not going to say anything? And he goes, my dear boy, they pay me to wait. The acting is for free. That's, that's true. Well, it's uh, well, that's, Come on. That's like we used to always say about when we did. Come on. I know, it's true. It's like we said when we did stand-up comedy. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't get paid to be on stage. You get paid with all the dealing with all the crap of driving yeah. there, getting a the flight yeah. there, getting this. And once you go on, you're like, I don't care, man. Yeah. It's just the way it is. So that's cool. So, yeah. so now, now, do you do a lot of private events? Like, because you said you do karaoke. Do well, not private. Pu- they're public I mean, events. Pu- I mean, not pu- public. Personal, events. paid personal appearances. Yeah, I do like ten, fifteen a year. You now, know, who, well, they're getting to be. You know, it's kind of about ten a year. 
How do people, they just people go, we really like Mr. Bob. Did they contact you through an agent? Did they contact you? Or how did? I was doing colleges. And I would go. Now, what I, would you do? What would you do at a college? Uh, motivational speaking, like okay. take advantage of where you are. I mean, I think college is one of the most important times of your life because you, if you have a dream, which I'm all about, if you have a dream, try it. Because if you don't try it, you'll never know. And college, they encourage you to do things. Outside of college, you're not encouraged so much. You have to fight for it harder. But why not try stuff when you're in school? You know. So that's what I would do there. But the audience that was in college that loved Saved by the Bell was aging out. So it got to a point to where it wasn't a strong a, a draw. I wasn't a strong a draw because the kids didn't know Say by the Bell as much. So then I started doing nightclubs. I, I was doing some nightclubs anyway, like Pure in Vegas and hanging out with Paris Hilton and Christina Aguilera and people like that. I mean, it's, it's, But what do you do at, like, when you're in a nightclub? Well, I you, work. You're just there? Are you talking to people? Are you shaking yes, hands? Are you yes. kissing babies? Are yes. you like a politician? Yes. So you just hang out. You're making sure. I, th I think my job is to make sure everybody else has a good time. Okay. I think that's my job. Because if, they, if they're going to, listen, I don't know, but I'm sure you're a fan of somebody. Oh, yeah. And if you're a fan of several people. And if you went up to somebody you're a real fan of, you're sort of like a real hero, and they, and they dissed you and said, I'm busy. Leave me alone. It would crush you. Oh, be pissed. Yeah, and yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick story about that. Go ahead. When I was little. My parents would always take me to see Phillies games, but to the yeah. games. And I remember when we went to see a baseball game, it was the Phillies, and my dad's friend had really good seats. So I went down, and it was uh, when they used to have Monday Night Baseball. And Joe Garagiola was interviewing oh, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom's like, just go up and, you know, just go walk up. And uh, I because I, I loved sports, I wanted to be a sports yeah. announcer. And I went up, and he, like, totally, like, just ignored uh, all the fans. And my mom, who's, you know, was. Very mellow was like, right. oh, I the hell with that Joe Garagiola. Wow, and it was just amazing. But it's true. As a kid, I was like, what the hell, man? You know, and especially when you're a little kid. Well, it takes a lot of guts. To, I mean, you probably put your your heart on your sleeve, went up there and took a chance, and you were probably nervous. I I, I have felt that way too, and I'm not going to do to anybody else what has been done to us. If somebody gets enough enough to, gets it up enough to come say hi to me, I'm going to say hi back, and I'm going to thank them and, and thank you for watching our show. You know, we didn't get rich financially. We did okay, but we didn't get rich. I, we, I still have to work. Everybody still has to work. But I'm blessed. And like the kid in Romania recognizing me and oh, being yeah, excited. Think, well, I think you've uh, you've taken that away. Shaped, you've, you've you've been through a lot of kids' childhoods, yeah. and and the one thing that you know, even when you when you give your motivational speeches, you know, it, it made a difference to these kids. And it's like anything, you know, kids were watching Save the Bell to have an escape. Let's say if they're having a bad day, they could escape. They felt they could safe. There. Yeah, and, they felt safe, and they could. And I listen. I wasn't the best in my class. There were other people that quote were better. Unquote. I wanted it more. I, I I'm yeah. I'm I'm just going to say that I wanted it more. I my personal passion and my dream pushed me harder than some other people okay doesn't mean i was the best but i cared and i i i was them in college i was the entertainment chairman i was the guy that was on the entertainment committee who got lucky enough to become entertainment chairman who did see billy joel who this and that and, and i'm trying to pay it forward my whole life you know i just want to include everybody and it's it's not easy to walk up to somebody and say hi i get it because i've done it for a long time now that people really love what we did it affected them and they just want to say thanks or they just want to share a story you know so i let them i embrace that what are you going to do run from it what? right what? I, I, I try to scratch him now do you see the cast at all anymore? i see mario every so often yeah i'm in touch with him a little bit is there ever going to be like a like a reunion thing? i mean everyone's going so many different I ways I, I listen i this is another story about if you don't do it yourself you're not going to get it done jimmy fallon was 
had chosen my alma mater, Chattanooga, as their Cinderella team in the NCAA tournament four years ago. We got in on a hope and a prayer, and, and I called my agent, and I said, hey, th- that's my school on, on Fallon. Fallon was just breaking. It was just blowing up. And he said, yeah. I said, well, maybe they'd have me on the show. He goes, Dennis, I'm busy. I said, okay. I hung up from him. I called NBC New York. I asked for the Jimmy Fallon show. They put me on the phone with them. I said, hi, Dennis Haskins. I played Mr. Belding on Saved by the Bell. Chattanooga's my alma mater. Hold on, please. Producer gets on the phone. Can you be here tomorrow? Swear to God. Okay. My agent, too busy. I, Dennis, I'm busy. So they had me come in, surprise the audience. The reaction was so big. Are you sure you went to the college? No, no, no. Or you went to the show? Jimmy Fallon. Okay, no, because you went to Fallon, but went was to Fallon at the school, or was he in No, the Fallon was, was like, he had mugs, he had hats, he had the pep band. Okay. The Chattanooga pep band was on the night I was there, but nobody knew I was coming. And he goes, you know, there's some alumni, uh, uh, Hugh Beaumont, who was the Beaver's dad, right. uh, some astronaut, and Mr. Bell, and everybody goes, whoa, 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 and I come up through the floor in the audience, hey, 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 what is going on here? They went so loud, I couldn't hear Jimmy, who was 50 feet away from me. So the writers said, let's try to reunite the cast. Two weeks later, I'm back, second time, from my agent saying I'm too busy. Now I'm second time on the show, and we're I'm starting a reunion. We got down to – Screech had done a tell-all book, or Dustin had done a tell-all book, so nobody really wanted to deal with that. And uh, got down to everybody, but Tiffany was available to do it, and Tiffany wasn't available, and it just kind of went away. So then the, the next year, they got California Dreams reunited. And they brought me in to pretend to be a – they just were nice to me. I, they liked you. Well, because three, you're a good guy. Three, I try. You know, but three times on the show – no, And your agent said, no, no. So I'm busy. Say. I'm too busy. Because, listen, Steve, you know what's in your heart. You know what you want. You know if you can make something happen. Sometimes other people can't get it the way you get right. it. You know. I just saw your eyes roll. You know exactly what I'm talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah, totally. I know. And, you know exactly. And I knew if, if I got to the right person, You'd they be able would, to close the deal. I knew if I got Peter Engel on the phone, he'd give me another chance. I don't know how, but he did. And I became Mr. Belding, and 11 years later, I'm still working. You know, the, the show ended. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. It's another movie. I need another. I, I need, I want, I'm looking for more roles that lead to better, bigger, better, same experiences. No, with Seth MacFarlane, that movie, what's that movie? He's called? amazing. Uh, it's called A Million Ways to Die in the West. Is he Steiner or did he write it? He, he wrote it. He co wrote it. He's directing it and starring in it. I don't know where the guy Are gets his energy. Are you serious? I, mean, I don't know where he between sleeps. Family Guy and all these other shows. Well, I know where he gets his energy. He, I, I don't know how he does it, but he has he has a nutritionist on set, Vicki Krinsky. She's with him all the time. She helped him get in shape through diet, not dieting, through the food he eats to eat properly to to make things work. For, and, and he is he's just driven in a wonderfully creative way. But he's focused. You know, he doesn't mess around. He goes after it. Now, was it cool? Was it? That must have been great. He's great. Oh. And then where'd you shoot that at? In Santa Fe, New Mexico. No, then what's that? What's that like, man? Is it? Like, it's is it it's altitude. I didn't realize it's altitude. It's a mile up, man. And I'm and I'm heavier than I've been in a long time. So I was huffing and puffing. I mean, at night it's hard to sleep. You know, you need a uh, humidifier in the room. I'm think if I'd done some things in Vail, Colorado, a lot for a charity I did. And you would get a humidifier and take an aspirin a day. And I wasn't thinking like that in Santa Fe. Man, it catches up with you. I can imagine, it, yeah. But it was great. You know, I mean, please, God, I should have that every week. Every week I'm, I, I get to say good morning to Charlize Theron every day. You know, please. And Neil Patrick Harris, who, by the way, is friends with Ed Alonzo, who was the, the Max on the original Saved by the Bell. 
he was the magician. He's done stuff for Britney Spears. He he uh, Neil he he does magic for he does uh, he he did the trick when Neil was at the. Um, I mean, the, the, the equity, Tonys. the Tonys, the Tony money disappeared into the audience. Next thing, that was Ed's trick. Yeah. So, uh, I'm the tie-ins and the connections. If you just stick around, here, here's the last story I'll tell you. Hey, I, want to hear it. I, I motivated myself by saying that uh, um, Marlon Brando and Wally Cox were roommates in New York. Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart were roommates in New York. They must have had other roommates, but they gave up. As long as I don't give up, I'll keep going. So I'm going to stay on this side of the grass, not give up, and hope for the best. Well, you're working all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know you and you've you've been blessed with a great career. Even I mean, yeah. before Saved by the Bell, the shows I, you on are, are legendary. It's like you don't see that's I, a great pe- resume. People say now, what are you, what are you doing now? I said I'm still looking for work. I want to get work. I want to work with people. I want to keep acting. Did you audition a lot? Yeah, uh, not enough, but not some quality auditions when I do. And you know, I'm looking. For, you know, uh, uh, Marin, uh, something Marin. Mark Marin. He's got a show coming out. It's going to be really it's amazing. Always, in fact, Jerry Stahl, oh, who was amazing. just my was guest earlier, wrote uh, one of the episodes and yeah. was in it. I auditioned for it. I, I didn't get it, but but man, it's it's really. It's on cool. IFC. It's good. Mark yeah, Marin is funny. Yeah, guy. I recommend it just from reading the script. You know, so does that happens a lot. Do you read a script and you go, "Man, this is just good." You, you can just tell. Okay. Yeah, you can tell if it's written well. It comes to you. You read it fast. You learn it quick because it's, it makes <laughs> sense. You know, maybe maybe you got to plug in some things, but but it's uh, you know, I just love what we do. Don't you? Oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. I, I got out of the business for a long time, and then I got I got Welcome back, back into it. I know it's great. It's a, it's a matter of you know, I do comedy every once in a while. Yeah. And that's where I met you and I yep. Dante's show. Which did that place close? Completely? Yeah, closed. They're done. What I mean, it's like yeah. what a how do you close in such the people? We were doing great. Rolling Stone Cafe, busy house that night. We were doing packed, great. and it's, you're in Hollywood and Highland. It's like if you can't make a business there, you're you're running it. Well, bad. there was money being made. We just don't know where it all went. It's crazy. We so, got ours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what else is going on, man? We got a few minutes uh, left. Any, anything? Uh, any I'm heading home. Years? Well, uh, since it's New Year's Day, I will have been home for the holidays. My my adult family's gone. Lost my dad. You know, the world changes. You know, yeah, you, you got to adapt. My dad adapted and changed, so I'm going to honor him and adapt and change and hopefully represent him. So I'm going to go back and do that. And I'll be doing some appearances and around the country. And, and I'm really focused on pilot season, really focused on it. So... More, uh, you can say you're focused on it, but you've got to be able to create opportunities, and you've got to have people who can help you create opportunities. And more and more people are coming down the scale, like for the movie stars coming down doing television, and and diff- you know, it's so there's less and less roles for really quality roles for people. So you just need one, Steve. You need right. one that'll you know last you for the next few years, and then. Uh, but that's and it's got. I want it to be a good role. Do you, do you have a website? I, I yeah, do, but I don't pursue the website so much. I have one in case I need it for whatever reason. I got my name registered and all that jazz. But uh, I do social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Which, on Twitter, which, Twitter, I'm at Mr. Belding, at Mr. Belding, and Facebook, Dennis Haskins. Uh, I, you, I don't go big on Facebook, but and I'm on Instagram as real Mr. Belding, real Mr. Belding. What are you Belding. putting up on there? What are you- different pictures, different places I go, different people I get to. I'm, listen, I get, I get younger actors and actresses wanting to do uh, music. I'm in a music video with Ashley Willis. It just okay. came out. Billy, uh, Billy Zabka directed it, who was Sweep the Light. Right, yeah. I did a thing with him. I mean, I'm... You're out there sh- working. You're, I'm you're, going sh- you're a shaker to mover, baby. Hey, you know, and, and guys like us, we got to keep yeah, going. Yeah. I want to thank you for so much for thank calling. Thank you. I'm glad I got this hooked up because we talked a while ago. I'm really glad we did. And, uh, yeah, so people, uh, check them out. Uh, the Mr. Belding, at Mr. Belding on uh, Twitter. At Mr. Belding on Twitter. But, uh, you know, look for look for uh, 
million ways to die in the West and whatever else I might be doing. You could. And follow me at Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Also go to coopertalk.net. I have about 210 episodes Can up. you play the drums on the way out? Can you play uh, the drum thing? Play it right now. I love that I, thing. I, I got to fight. We have, uh, hey, it's a brand new year, everybody. Celebrate a great year. Wait, wait, here. And people, uh, if you go if you go to Google Play, type in Cooper Talk. The Cooper Talk app is there. I love this. The CooperTalk.podbean forward slash mobile forward slash is also my iPhone's app. But yeah, so send me an email, cooper at indy100.com. As I said, just keep listening. It's going to be a great new year. I'm getting some really great guests. And we started off with an excellent start of the year. So, yeah, send me a message, cooper at indy100.com. Be careful out there. Remember... What was I going to say? Oh, I always say, I forgot. <laughs> I can't even forget. It's near. Uh, remember, drink your water. Oh, Take your yeah. vitamins. Eat your vegetables. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest.